Hey, everybody. Really good to see you. How many of you are totally ready for Christmas? You are complete. Raise your hand that we might despise you. <laughs> How many of you are panicking like me? Okay, it's carried. There's more panic in the house. So really good to see you. This weekend, we're thinking about Christmas unwrapped, unwrapping afresh the message of uh, the Christmas story. So Luke chapter 2, we've already heard uh, some of the Christmas story read wonderfully by the Timber Kids. Why don't we put our hands together again one more time for the Timber Kids. Great job. And let me read to you from Luke chapter 8, a familiar story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company in the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Uh, this is the season, isn't it, for, uh, for holidays. We've just had uh, Thanksgiving, and I say this, I'm sorry, I say this every year, because people come up to me and they say, do you celebrate Thanksgiving in England? No. No, we don't do the Thanksgiving thing, but we do, we do have Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. That's kind of crazy. Like, we, we're not grateful, but we do grab, you know. That's the, the way that works. And, and again, I say it every year, I'm sorry, but every year people say, you know, do you... Do you celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July? <laughs> we lost. <laughs> so no, we, we don't, but uh, we have our own Christmas uh, traditions. Uh, we have Boxing Day, for example. Boxing Day is a national public holiday, happens the day after Christmas Day. And people say to me, what is Boxing Day about? And I think nobody in England has a clue. <laughs> and there are various theories, but frankly, we don't care. We're going to just take the vacation. That's basically the way it works. So we have Boxing Day, and we also have turkey at Christmas. Because we don't have Thanksgiving, we have turkey at Christmas. I told you about this before, I think, but a few Christmases ago, Kay sent me to the butchers in England to, to get... Um, to get the turkey. Now that should have been a simple, a simple thing, but with me, <laughs> nothing is simple. So I, I come out of the butchers with a 20 pound turkey and I put it on the passenger seat and I start the car up and suddenly I get this flashing warning light alerting me that I am carrying a passenger 
who is not wearing a seatbelt. And despite the fact that the passenger is frozen and dead, that doesn't matter. I, I, I'm getting the warning night. Now, if I'd have just thought about it, I would have just put the turkey on the floor of the car, but I, I didn't think. So I reached over and strapped the turkey in. At this moment, a pedestrian, a passing pedestrian, decided, get this, decided to ask me for directions. Oh, the folly, the stupidity. If he had but known to whom he was speaking, he would never have asked for directions from me. So I pressed the button, the window went down. He stuck his head in the window. <laughs> and I know he wanted to run away while screaming. I know that. Because he's now encountering the only man in history who carries frozen poultry around while wearing a safety belt. Why did I do that simple. I didn't think. And in the blur and the busyness of Christmas, I think that can happen. We, perhaps in our culture, have been successfully inoculated with the true message of Christmas. Enough so that it doesn't really impact us like it should. There are so many gifts to buy. A recent survey says that dad is the most difficult person to buy Christmas gifts for. It's so funny watching some of you nudging each other like, like it's his fault. It's not his fault. There's gifts to buy. There's, there's food to buy. In Britain, the average calorie consumption on Christmas Day, just that one day, is 7,000 calories. This is so bad that back in, this is true, back in 1536, King Henry VIII, not known for his dietary control personally, passed a law, this is absolutely true, passed a law banning the eating of pies and puddings on Christmas Day. It, it became illegal and they've never repealed the law. It's still there. Can you imagine that? A cop shows up and says, step away from the pie, sir. <laughs> and the food to buy and the gifts to get and it all it all becomes a blur and we don't actually get around to thinking what Christmas is, is all about. So let's just think for a few minutes. I say that to give you hope. Let's just think for a few minutes about what the Christian message or the Christmas message is actually about. Number one, number one, if you're following in the bulletin, it's about the God who wants to interrupt our ordinary lives with shockingly good news. It's about the God who wants to interrupt our ordinary lives with shockingly good news. I love this. Suddenly, suddenly an angel. Um, I preached this message last night and my wife was here. And when we got home, she said, you were a bit shouty tonight, Jeff. A bit shouty. So I'm going I'm to calm down a bit. Suddenly an angel. Pretty boring job being a shepherd. Pretty boring. Um, you, you basically watch sheep. You imagine that. Number 43 is now eating grass. Check. Number 42 is now sleeping. Check. And then suddenly, suddenly everything changes. And notice that not only do the angels appear, which, which freaks them out. It would, wouldn't it? But notice the use of the word you in the greeting. 
from the angels. I bring you, I bring you good news, the angel says, that will cause great joy for all the people. That's general. But now listen, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. The angel is, is getting their attention. I, I, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas nativity things that, that, that happen. Some, some churches go really big on Christmas um, presentations. I know of a church where they rented live animals, camels and horses and donkeys for their big nativity scene. And they had a, a velvet-clad choir and an, an, and an orchestra. And they had the ability to fly angels across the auditorium. Like electric motors, theatrical devices with wires hanging down. And they hooked Fred, one of the deacons. And they said, Fred, you're going to be the angel Gabriel. So now the choir is singing. Hark, the herald angels sing. And the orchestra is playing. And, and, and look! Here comes Fred. It's beautiful, beautiful. Shimmering. And he gets halfway across the auditorium when suddenly the motor driving him burned out. And he stops dead. And because of the momentum, he starts to swing backwards and forwards like this. And then the wires got twisted, so he started to spin. Be honest, how many would part with a lot of money to see this? And he's spinning round and round, but you know what Christians do when things go wrong? They just carry on regardless. So the choir is singing, the orchestra is playing, and Fred is going round and round and round. Now what happened next is rather distasteful, and I'm not sure I should share. So let's take a vote. How many would like to know what happened next? Say I. Uh, those who wouldn't like to hear would just ignore you, frankly. He span round and round and round and round, and, and then he got sick and threw up all over the choir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hark, the herald angels honk. <laughs> but ignore the rather distasteful element to that story, which I cannot believe I, Pastor Darry, shared. Just look at him up there. And that's us at Christmas. We, we, in fact, that's us in life. We, we go to work to get the money to buy the food, to give the strength to go to work, to get the money to buy the food, to give the strength to go to work. And God wants us to stop and hear this. This is for you, sir. This is for you, ma'am. The shepherds are probably, the angels are doing their thing and unto you a child is born. And the shepherds are probably going. This is for you. Listen up because this is, yes sir, you. You. The second thing, it's about what the message is. It's about the God who comes to the rescue of us all. It's about the God who comes to the rescue of us all. A savior is born. A, a savior is one who, who rescues. And Israel was waiting for a rescuer because they were, they were living as an occupied nation. Those horrid Romans 
oppressing them, high taxes, total control. And they were looking for a messiah, a military, political, social figure who would rescue them. I don't think you need me to remind you that the world needs rescue. And I'm going to say some things in the next two minutes. And you, you, in hearing them, you might say, Pastor Jeff, don't, don't mess with our Christmas. Let, let's just have fun. But if we turn Christmas into a self-serving event which ignores the injustice and poverty of our world, we lose sight of the true significance of the story. My son-in-law, Ben, married to our daughter, Kelly, he, he just got back a couple of weeks ago from Bangladesh. It's not hitting the news, despite the fact that the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is sending out alerts about this. 600,000 Muslims are displaced and are refugees fleeing for their lives. There are atrocities taking place in Burma. The current leader got the Nobel Peace Prize and I don't know whether it's already happened or whether they're going to make it happen. They're going to strip her of that prize because of the despicable human atrocities that are taking place there. Ben said to me, Jeff, I cannot stain your mind by telling you some of the things that they are doing. This is, this is happening, but it's not in the news as much as it should be. In Ethiopia, 60% of the population living on 37 cents a day or, or less. 100 million people in the world tightening their belts to live on $1 a day instead of two. 850 million people chronically hungry. Even before the European refugee crisis, 24 million refugees. You say, Pastor Jeff, this is the week before Christmas. Don't give us this stuff. But this is the message. I'm getting shouty again. A rescuer has come to show us how to live and how to die. And he hasn't just come for a broken world. He has come for a broken us, broken you, broken me. Jesus came and taught about the kingdom of God. It was his main theme. That's not heaven when you die, although it includes that. That's allowing God's rule and reign to come to your life now. And he's come to rescue. And he, Jesus died on a cross to deal with everything that separates us from God. And he rose again, beating the power of death. Here's a question before I move on. Are some of us ready to concede today that we need rescuing? Or is 2018 going to be more of standing on our own two feet? The Christmas messages are about a God who comes to the rescue of us all. Thirdly, thirdly, it's about a God who seeks to make insiders of those who feel like they're on the outside. It's about a God who seeks to make insiders of those who feel like they're on the outside. You see, shepherding was not just a dull job, boring job, it was a despised job. There were jobs, careers, if you will, in Israel at that time that were officially designated as sinner trades. 
You know when it says that the Bible ate with tax collectors and sinners? That's not just naughty people. That's a specific category of people that were despised. It included tanners, barbers, forgive me, hairdressers everywhere. They were, they were designated sinners. I don't know why. Tax collectors um, and shepherds. Why, why were shepherds designated like that? Because they stole sheep, because they took the sheep on land that didn't belong to them. They were despised. It's interesting, isn't it? God doesn't send Christmas cards, but he sends angels bringing greetings, but the first ones who get it are not the Pharisees. They're not the religious barons. They're not the nice people. It's the shepherds, the ones on the outside who get the message. I want to say this, maybe you feel like you're on the outside because of your journey, because you've messed up so bad, and you've got used to being designated that way. And I want to tell you that wherever you've been and whatever you've done, the Christmas message is for you that you can be rescued and have a whole new start. I also want to say, as a pastor, some of us as Christians feel a bit on the outside. It's not a white Christmas, it's a gray Christmas. Why is it that so many people fear Christmas? That's the statistical fact. Well, if you don't have a lot of spending power, Christmas can make you feel particularly debilitated. Everyone else is doing the gift thing and your resources depress you. Some of us can feel totally alone at Christmas because there's a party going on, but we're alone. And some of us feel a more intense pain because there is an empty seat at the table, a loved one greatly missed. If I can be really honest, there are others of us who feel pressure, not because the family's missing, but because the family's arriving. <laughs> oh, no! And here we are thrown together, sometimes with people that we don't see for a couple of years, and we, we, we've got to have a happy, happy time. And it's a challenge. I think for Christians as well, some of us as Christians can feel an ache because it's like everyone's celebrating this thing, but so many don't know what it's about. And there's, this, there's a hint of sadness there. Last weekend, if you were here, I mentioned a distant friend back in England they lost their 12-year-old daughter last Sunday. She passed away. This week on Facebook, he posted something written by another friend of mine, Pete Gregg, who's the leader of the 24-7 movement worldwide. He posted, this guy who's just lost his daughter, for whom it's going to be a great Christmas, he posted this poem, prayer, written by Pete. And because my friend who's suffering such loss posted it, I felt like I wanted to share it with you. Pete writes, suffering is inevitable in life, but joy is not. So relentlessly pursue joy today. Laugh often and listen well. Celebrate the wonder of the smallest, most ordinary things. Tragedy comes regardless, but joy is a butterfly, an elusive melody waiting to be named. Our surprising, unsolemn duty, therefore, is not just to weep at life's pain, but to seek and savor its bounty with fierce delight. Wow. 
to marvel at the simple magnificence of the mundane, the ephemeral light through a dirty window, that eternal moment between the first and second mouthfuls of apple pie. Light a fire tonight. Make the coffee strong, stretch your limbs, write someone a letter with a real actual pen. Play Love Supreme by John Coltrane. And should you happen to see a tree bedecked in lights or an ornate tattoo or the iridescent flash of pink on a pigeon's head, stop and stare in wide-eyed wonder like a child. Hallow the fleeting hours of this sacred pulse with an oratory of sighs, a liturgy of hugs and whoops and laughter. Believe again in the fundamental goodness of stuff transubstantiated for us. Receive again this day the blessed sacrament. And before I come to the last point, with our eyes wide open, we pray for those present and absent here today for whom Christmas is grey. May you know surprising joy. May you know unexpected grace. And may you know the tender comfort of the God who comes close at Christmas in the sending of his son, may somehow through a sunset, a hug, laughter shared, may you feel enfolded in the love and grace of God. And everyone said, but they thought that was the end of the message, but they're wrong. The last thing is this, number four. Number four, it's about the God who invites us all to make a choice about him. It's about the God who invites us all to make a choice about him. The shepherds decide, let's go to Bethlehem. They make a choice. I've noticed that about Jesus. Even as a baby, he nudged people into choices. So the wise men make a choice. And the shepherds make a choice. And then there were those who voted against, if I can put it like that. Herod launches a Demonic program, a holocaust, killing all of the male children under two in the Bethlehem area and vicinity. You see, that's what Jesus does. You, you can't be really neutral about him. You, you kind of bore him or you're against him, at least in the biblical record. I think we need to know that there's an opportunity to make a choice. Relationships begin with choosing. Kay and I got married 40 years ago. She was 17 minutes late. I'm over it. <laughs> kind of. The pastor looked at me and he said, Jeff, will you take Kay to be your lawful wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward for richer, for poorer, better, for worse, blah, 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 fish cakes? And I said... I will. He looked at her. He said, Kay, will you take this? <laughs> to be your lawful wedded husband. Have it to hold. Richard for poor, better for worse. She said, after a momentary pause, I will. He said, you both said, I will. I now declare you Husband and wife, I will, I will. I'm not going to get shouty. Jesus says of you, I will. 
We wanted you to see the Polar Express because it was so amazing. It was right out here. You're only seeing part of it. Wednesday, Jesse and Jeff did such an amazing job. But when I saw the Polar Express set, I, I remembered a moment from that movie, a moment when a choice, a decision was invited. Take a look. If I were you, if I were you, I'd, I'd think about climbing on board. Tom Hanks, with a rather scary face, says in the movie. And there are lots of people here who are already followers of Jesus. And I think they would want to say to you, if you're not a follower of his, if, you're not, if you don't know him, if you're not a Christian, I think I, I know what they'd say to you. They'd say, if I were you, I, I'd think about getting on board. Decision. And, and you say, well, where's the train going? Are, are you going to say, yeah, the, the Polar Express goes to the North Pole and get on this and we're going to go to heaven? Well, yeah. Heaven's part of the deal, but becoming a Christian is not just about life and death insurance. Heaven's a magnificent part of that, but it's about, it's, not, it's about the one second after you die, but it's about the one second after you make the decision. It's about living and not just dying. So here's what we're gonna do. In the next few seconds, a prayer is going to appear on the screen. If you would like to make that I will decision, here is a moment to do it. I want you to know that in our first service this morning, about 15 people made that response. What a wonderful Christmas gift. It is 10.51, the Sunday morning before Christmas. This could be the moment that you choose to say, I need rescue. I want to invite Jesus, not just to help me out or bless me. I want to turn my life over to him, accept his forgiveness and follow him for always. So the prayer is going to appear on the screen. If you're not a Christian and you want to use this prayer, you can do it. If you are, but you're a long way from God, you can use this. We're all going to pray the prayer together. But for some, this is going to have special significance. Let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to pray the prayer, and then we're going to bow our heads, and I'm going to pray for those for whom this is especially significant. And I'm going to ask for a simple response, very simple. So here we go. Let's bring up the prayer. Let's pray this together. Jesus, light of the world, be the light of my life. Take me from the shadows of sin as I put my faith and trust in you. Cleanse me from the works of darkness through your victory on the cross. Light up my pathway and show me how to live for you loving King. Be the center of my existence and show me how to live with you, faithful friend. I make you my priority, my purpose, 
my confidence, my defender, my guide, my Lord, and my God. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.